Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. This is Series 2 of our revamped and new look mental health and sports series. This time around, the series is focusing specifically on footballers, uh, current and ex-footballers coming on the show, uh, talking to me and Jacob about their difficulties with mental health, addiction, similar subjects. Um, so, so far we've spoken to Keith Gillespie. Uh, he meant he talked in detail about his issues with gambling. We talked to David Cottrell about his uh, battle with depression and drinking and how it affected his life. We also spoke to current Warsaw captain James Clark about uh, his issues with PTSD following uh, anaphylactic shock. I'm really glad that I pronounced anaphylactic <laughs> correctly because I always mess it up. Um, we also spoke to uh, host of the Andy Campbell Show, Mr. Andy Campbell, about... Um, his battle, which came after football, when uh, when he's had an enforced retirement because of uh, injuries, and he he struggled a bit, and he was very open about that. Um, we yesterday, as we record this, we spoke to ex Manchester United winger. Uh, my name's gone completely Luke blank. So Luke Chadwick. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit that. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Luke Chadwick, and he's just talked. We talked a lot about mental health generally, but also basically his experiences with bullying. Um, is what I would call it. It was obscene, and uh, even though it was twenty years ago, like you could you could tell by the way he discussed it how much it affected him. Um, and he obviously speaks a lot about mental health now and trying to help young players with the work he does with his academy. Um, so yeah, check out the previous episodes, and uh, we've got we've extended the series now, so it's going to be at least ten episodes with current and ex footballers. Hopefully, someone from the PFA will join us at some point as well. Fingers crossed with that. But uh, we are trying. And uh, yeah, here at Ace Podcast Nation, we've uh, home to many great shows and series featuring exclusive interviews, top guests, expert analysts and more on various subjects. So uh, give YouTube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation a subscribe, click the bell and you'll get notified every time we go live or uh, release a, a video or an interview. And, of course, you can get audio versions of everything at the usual podcast and radio platforms. Links to everything will be in the description as uh, as well as some helpful links surrounding mental health and stuff like that. But with uh, no further ado, joining me for each episode is uh, someone who's a regular on the channel now. He's uh, He's been on loads of times every episode for this series. And I, I'm very happy to welcome back uh, my co-host, Mental health support worker Jacob back onto the channel show everything. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good, loving it. I was uh, obviously we recorded one yesterday. I was buzzing because we hadn't done it in a couple of weeks. Lockdown's mm. been a bit rubbish, uh, so yeah, uh, a few of my colleagues I work with listened to it. So it was it was a nice thing to come in in the morning, have our little coffee, chat about the chat. Uh, yeah, so I was buzzing for today. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, the, the feedback generally to all the shows has been really good. And I keep saying I'm going to send you some of the messages and I keep <laughs> forgetting, but I will remember eventually. But it's been really good. It's been really nice. Um, and that's really what why we decided to extend the series, because initially it was just going to be five episodes, record them all close together, and then leave it probably till after Christmas and then come back to it maybe next year. But because of the reaction and because of the current circumstances mm. in the world with lockdowns everywhere in the UK all the time, um, you know, COVID, everyone's everyone's struggling. Everyone's having days where it's hard. Life is hard. And uh, I include myself in that. Some days I wake up and I feel good and motivated and I really want to get going. And then other, I could wake up the next day and I just don't want to get out of bed. But, you know, with three kids, I don't have a choice. But there we go. But. It's a difficult time, uh, but our guest for today is uh, former England Under-21 international, ex-Sunderland, Cardiff City, Cardiff City, 
and their Hartlepool United defender, among many other clubs. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome Darren Williams to the show. Welcome, Dar Darren. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Obviously, you know, delighted to be on the show. Um, obviously, I've, I've seen seen some of the podcasts that have gone out, you know, and they've been really interesting, you know, and, you know, at times, obviously, you know, funny, and other times, obviously, you know, you, you see the serious side of things as well, yeah. you know, and, and how that side can affect people. Yeah, thank you. And uh, and also, it is, it's, it's, I find these shows particularly interesting. Like you say, sometimes they can be, you know, you can have a bit of, a, bit of a, a giggle and it could be quite funny. And then other times they've been quite almost emotional, quite, you know, hearing people's story because everyone's story is different. Everyone's sort of battle with mental health mm. is different. And the thing is, like Jacob, every, I'd say most people now, if they're honest, at some point in their life, particularly if you, you know, if you're sort of 25 and upwards, I think most people have had some sort of period where they've been struggling with some kind of mental health issue, whether it's depression or just having a tough time. Yeah, I, I know they say this, it's one in four, but I think it's a lot more than that. I think as a sort of generation, I suppose the younger generation are just better at sort of maybe understanding it and there's more knowledge out there. I think if you ask, you know, uh, one of my grandparents, she's 91. She had depression for the first time at 90 years old. And she was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and I was trying to explain it to it. Like, it's really common. There's loads of people are on antidepressants. And uh, she really, like, she was amazing. She, she really struggled. And it was like, but it's amazing to get that far and not yeah. have a mental health difficulty. Oh, yeah. But, but it, shows, it shows how, like, you know, at 90 years old, you can still struggle with depression. Um, and yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so it's. I think we're better. We always say we're better at talking about it now, but I just think there's more sort of education and more sort of awareness about it. And I think there's more confidence in people to come out and share their experience. I think if I look what I was like maybe 10 years ago, I, was, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't tell him my colleagues that I had ADHD and I worked in a mental health team, yeah. you know, I just didn't feel confident. I didn't feel yeah. that it would be respected where now I'm pretty open about most things or probably too open in some ways. But, mm -hmm. um, but mm. I think that's the power of, you can see, you know, things have changed. I think, yeah, then, I think, I, I think, sorry, on, I think like you're saying there, you know, the one in four, I think it's, it's probably lower than that. Um, I think the you know the older generation, like you say, you know, they're you know ninety ninety year old, you know, first time I obviously had 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 this, you know. But I think more now, I think because of obviously how things are now, you know, there's, there's more. It's you know things are a lot more publicised, you know, like there's a lot more help out there now. Obviously, like you say, it's, it is more of an educational point of view that's starting to creep in, you know, to to um, you know workplaces, to to schools, etc. I think people are becoming more and more aware of it. So, which I think is helping people come out and speak a bit more about it as well because I think you know going back years ago you you were maybe a bit embarrassed to come out and speak about things mm. like because you know you felt like you like you know you were the man and you should not speak about this you know this shouldn't affect men you know this is like you know and I think we're, we're starting to turn that turn that tide now and I think you know people are starting to come out because at the end of the day you know as we as we, you know as personally myself as well you know if you don't speak about it you just bottle it up and bottle it up mm. and it just gets oh, yeah. worse and worse yeah I get uh, funny enough um <clears throat> In the last week or so, uh, a young guy has reached out to me on my Twitter DMs. Um, he's, I think he's only like early 20s. Um, and like he's having a tough time about it. He'd seen one of the shows. And obviously, I'm not going to name him and talk about his situation. But he's just having like a tough time. And he kind of reached out and we're just chatting. And like the difference. So I'm what? I was 39 yesterday. So like I've got about at least 15 to 18 years on him in terms of age and the difference in how he kind of looks at mental health he's just a bit more educated about it mm. and like when i was a teenager and i was i had i had depression as a teenager like my father died as when i was 16 i had some issues with smoking things i shouldn't drinking stuff like that which made it worse <clears throat> i had a younger brother who i had to look after and i sort of kind of bottled everything up and it, it, I didn't deal with it until probably three years ago properly but <clears throat> I really noticed the difference in just the education in terms of how he viewed it like he very much understood that he was having a tough time and why and he was wanted to talk to someone about it which I was happy to do whereas I think back to when I was probably having similar issues 
when I was similar age or maybe a bit younger and I was encouraged to not speak about it by mm. maybe some elements of my kind of family or close friends because you know you're you're blo- you just said it then Darren you're a man yeah. don't talk about you know don't talk you don't talk about your emotions you don't talk about your feelings you don't yeah, talk about yeah. being upset and like I was a 16 year old who was already had a lot of pent-up stuff going on as teenagers do then my dad yeah. died I had the brother who was like 11 12 and then a mum who's suddenly on her own looking after two boys I felt very responsible to kind of help them which had a massive knock-on effect and I think talking about mental health is massive and for me personally talking about stuff is the only way I can process it mm. if I try and process stuff in my head that's mm. when things start to go badly yeah so I think it's but when we talked about it yesterday, Jacob, with Luke about bottling up stuff, mm. like he didn't really tell anyone that he was bothered by the stuff on they think it's all over and the stuff in the media. So he he was carrying that around with himself. And I just think I think the way he dealt with that was really admirable admirable because that could have gone I feel like that could have gone really bad. Like could have mm. gone on wrong. He was lucky. He was mm. lucky. It sounds awful saying he's lucky, but I think to hold on to that much uh and raw that emotion isn't it? and stuff like that for 20 years mm. it's very rare uh like um it will come out some way so yeah and, and when he was talking i said that you know most people mm. would have probably ended things or gone off different tangents. drinking uh, yeah, yeah 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 oh 100 yeah um so the first thing i wanted to talk about kind of before we get on to you um personally darren is uh we saw uh greg clark of the fa has resigned stroke sacked stroke i don't know left by mutual consent out the door (laughs) yeah he um he used a a term which back when i was a kid you'd have heard that term you know your your grandparents your parents everybody would have used that term in this day and age people know better and like i say we talked about bullying on last week's show and i feel like it's a really, I just feel like it's a really stupid, ignorant term to use. And then for someone in such a high position in the FA to, to be using that term so like openly. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Jacob, it was on like a public interview as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So just before this, because I, I, I knew the story, but I thought I'll do a bit of research, watched uh, what he said. So it was like a a public forum i think there were some mps there um and i think the headline is that he said uh colored colored people mm. instead of people of colored but what is sort of being missed is the other stuff he said so he said um uh homosexuality is a life choice uh which obviously that is not the belief of myself and most of the, uh, the rest of the public um and he also said female footballers don't like uh, the ball being kicked at them hard. Uh, so some sexist stuff there. So like I didn't know about that stuff. Yeah, yeah so he said that. Um, and so that was all in an hour. He said that. So I was like, in a yeah. public forum. Yeah, Jesus. And, and it's not the first. Like I think because I watched one interview. I can't remember who was doing it. And she was like, you know, should you know he's an older man? Should he've been sacked for this? You know, are we saying now we we can't get things wrong? And I said and. The person she was saying was given a good argument. I, I, I hate, and she said, "What well, if you said that as an accident because he's apologized straight away? Should you be sacked?" And I think the difference is Joe blogs off the street. He was a sixty-year-old man who maybe, you know, did used to use that term. Who's maybe not done education. That is very different to a man of huge responsibility at one hundred ninety thousand pound a year who is paid to know what he, you know, he is paid. Yeah. And trained to know what to say, and also like he can't have those views. Like this, for me, the the race stuff is atrocious, but the homosexuality stuff and the sexist stuff just shows how normal it is for him that he thinks that's normal. And like, you know, he doesn't yeah. think that's a big deal. Like for me, that like the the, the stuff about women's football just like it looks it's about 10, really 15 bad. years yeah. old um and there's a reason why there's no openly gay football professional footballers yeah. in england and it's for comments like that um so, i just looked at his apology sorry to interrupt you jacob right i just looked at his apology he doesn't race uh, he doesn't mention the sexism or the homophobia yeah so the, the only... guy 
the guy who brought it says up, about the, the race race so the, uh, i think it was comments. an mp a labor mp uh so he says it and then the mp asks him basically uh in your yeah. last comment you said yeah. um uh, colored player do you wish to apologize for that so he apologized for that comment but then i think someone went through the transcript and gone oh you said that and that yeah, as well um I think right, I yeah. think for somebody uh, for somebody in this down. position, you know, you obviously should be educated, you know, mm-hmm. extremely well, you know, to be in that position. I think you know it's you know it's it's wrong in so many so many levels, and uh, you know I think you you you're out there and you should be an example, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and and you should you you should be coming across as the right example and not the wrong example. And everything you look at there, you know, anybody watching that or anybody reading that now. You know, as a, as a younger person, you know, is going to think that's okay and that's and that's not mm. that's normality, but it isn't. You know, times have changed and things have changed, mm. and unfortunately, you know, he he doesn't seem to have changed with the times. Yeah, and I if think I'm... he do, he doesn't represent for me as someone involved in grassroots football. If I look at him, he doesn't represent any of my players. He doesn't represent no. the diversity of the players I work with. Um, and also sort of in your role, in your academy, all these uh, players coming from different uh, places around the world. You, you've got yes. a really multi- multicultural academy. <laughs> you've got yes. this old white guy who's you know, completely yeah. out of touch with how football is in the totally. modern game. 100%. And, and like I said, you know, that we're obviously with the Eye to Eye National Academy that I work for. Basically, we we know we have all nationalities, you know, from all around the world and all different cultures, you know, and 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 even at even at times when you know the lads are talking amongst themselves, and you know we'll we'll hear a word that you know shouldn't be used, you know, in uh you know, and definitely shouldn't be used in the UK. But unfortunately for them guys, it's 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 a normality back in where they live, you know. But we have to turn around them and say you can't, you know, you can't use that type of language here, you know, it's not right, and. And and they're younger guys, and they take it on board, and they actually accept that, and, and you know, and then they change, they change themselves, yeah. you know, and, and obviously we don't want to change people, but what we to say that that is not right, you know, and you, you can't use that. I know it's it's probably acceptable from where you come from, um, and obviously amongst your friends, but you can't just use that randomly whenever you want. No, it's about education as well in that situation, isn't it? It's um, and like you say, you're able to explain. That is not acceptable, mm. and why it's not acceptable. And also, but like, I was just going to say, Jacob, right? And I'd be interested to hear your view, you know, with your work with mental health and footballers. Um, if we, I think, as football fans, football coaches, football clubs, for, as a football community, from professional to grassroots, we all understand that there is uh, gay footballers. We know there is, mm. just by the you know statistic statistically there's going to be gay footballers. We want those gay footballers to feel comfortable to be able to come out publicly when they're ready and, you know, live their life as they choose for their own mental health and for their own um, well-being. And if I'm a gay footballer and I'm seeing comments like that, that is exactly why Mm. we haven't got these uh, these guys and, and these women coming out publicly because you've got these old white guys in charge making decisions on uh, anti-racism campaigns uh, and encouraging, you know, whether it's anti-racism or encouraging people to be more accepting, football fans to not use homophobic chants and, you know, all the different campaigns we've had over the years on these various issues. This guy would have been involved in planning and... Mm. uh, you know, installing these campaigns around the country and the football clubs. And the lastly thing I wanted to say as well on top of that then is he will have had media training. Yeah. yeah. He will have had yeah. uh, some sort of mental health education training through his job, as most people yes. do in some some shape or form or a well-being course, you know, yeah. something like that. So the fact that he's saying that stuff so comfortably and so openly I just think that shows that it's not a slip of the tongue. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a view which he holds on all three subjects, mm. and he feels comfortable saying it, and that's worrying to me. Mm. Um, but Jacob, I'd be interested in what your views are on just on some of the stuff I said, particularly like about the the homosexual players, because I just think I worry about those guys having to 
you know, basically hide who they are for fear of the reaction from people like that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we know that there's players out there. Uh, just statistically, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, and I think it's, for me, you know, it's, it's just an odd one. It's such a disgrace that, that they, it's a failing of the FA that a player does not feel comfortable. Uh, and I've seen, I know, um, was it Gareth? Uh, is it Gareth Williams, the uh, Welsh rugby? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Gareth? I don't know. Gareth, um, sorry, Gareth Thomas. Yeah, Gareth Thomas, his documentary about it. Uh, and he met with the FA at the time, spoke to them. And, he, and their thoughts at the time were just out of touch. Like the stuff they were saying then was just like mm. not, you know, I know. Um, They've, I've, I've heard of players that have been ready to come out and then sort of been encouraged not to come out. Um, you know, so I just think that's something. If you look at the women's game, that is something. You know, I've worked with a few women footballers. They're like ten years ahead of, of like times with sort of homosexuality. Uh, it's not a thing. Mm. It's really common, yeah. uh, and it's not like it's not made into a thing. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and the way. You know, I've started following women's football a lot more this season, and like following the Chelsea's and stuff like that. And some of the ways they do football is just so different. It's more like watching grassroots football, as in the fans are completely different. They're not mm, at the players yeah. in a disrespectful way, but uh, mm. the love for football is just there. Like in grassroots football, it's all about supporting, it and it's it's competitive. It's really competitive, but it's also about welcoming any if there's a struggle we're, we're going to welcome you and there's bits I think in lower football you get it but I just think mm. uh, there's a reason that, play, uh, that a player hasn't come out in England and that's probably mm. because they don't feel they're going to get supported by the FA the yeah. PFA and their club do you also I think, think yeah, uh, sorry Darren sorry, I was going to just put this question to you mate actually yeah. um, do you think that maybe another reason why these players like might not be coming out is because they feel like the FA or the PFA or whoever is going to almost parade them around as like this kind of, oh, it's the first first footballer to come out. And like Jacob just said there, in the women's game, it's much more, you know, it's not a big thing. And I think, you know, that's the way it yeah. should be. And I think... Yeah, totally. I think it could be a worry. I think the women have got it absolutely spot on. You know, it, it's... It... The women's is, is it's a relaxed relaxed environment, you know, and it, and it is what it is, kind of in the, in the ladies' game, and it should it should be like that in the in the in the you know the the male side of things as well. I don't, I honestly don't. It doesn't change anybody as a person, you know. It doesn't mm. change anybody as a footballer, you know. They're still the same person. They're still the same footballer, you know. It doesn't. It shouldn't. They shouldn't have to hold something in for so long, worrying about the fact that what's the teammates going to think, what's the FA going to think, how, you know, how is this going to be portrayed. Um, you know, am I going to be, you know, slapped over the papers, you know, week in, week out because, you know, because, you know, I've come out and said something, you know, and, you know, that I, I need to say it and that they want to say it. And, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. I think that, the, you know, there is guys in the game that, you know, are going through that, you know, and it, it, it must, it must be, you know, they must get up every day and it must be the first thing on the mind. You know, mm. must be thinking, you know, because they're desperate, they just want to kind of come out and, and, and just be honest with everybody. Um, you know, and it's disappointing that we're not at a stage now um, in the in the modern day game that you know where where you know individuals can can do that, can step out and just be honest. Um, because you know how how much better would it all be? Um, you mm. know, I wouldn't look at anybody. You know, if if it was my teammate any differently, um, you know, mm. they would still be the same person. They would still be the same teammate. You know, still be the same best friend. Um, mm. You know, nothing would change, but I think we're just so behind in the game at this moment in time. You know, we need to look at the the, the ladies' game and think, you know, where are we going wrong? Mm. Yeah, spot on. The um, another, I was looking at some of the comments on Twitter um, earlier on to you know to the reaction to it and stuff, and there was one comment which kind of really caught my eye, um, and it was just off uh, this guy called uh, Mohammed Islam on Twitter. He just said, um, "Greg Clark may have resigned." But he'll be replaced by someone from the FA conveyor belt, um, with the same, you know, basically the same same views, same attitudes, the same sort of uh, just uh, blasé attitude to whether it's mental health or anti-racism. Or I think in some ways it's going to be completely different. I think I'd like to think so. I think this is an opportunity that the FA have, and I think the outcry 
of the people, players, fans. Uh, I think they know if, in some ways, it could go the opposite way. I think they they could just go right. Let's make a, uh, an appointment that's going to keep the people happy. Um, and they haven't really thought. I I hope that they really look into the recruitment and hire someone who's the best for the job, but also is, you know, has all that training, but also a lived experience of certain, yeah. those sort of themes. Um, but I think it would be serious fuck up if they did. I think if yeah, they God, pointed, yeah. I think you know, I think it would look as a p just as a PR it would go down like a lead balloon. Uh, and I think there's people mm. who've probably had, uh, who've wanted an opportunity to, you know, bang the FA for their, for their wrongdoings over the last sort of 10 years. So I think all the wolves are ready. Uh, and in some ways they've deserved it. Some of the things they've done uh, over yeah. the years have been shocking. So I think uh, the next sort of six months is going to be really big. If it's as a business, they want to change and sort of, change the way they run their business or if they want to go with the old. But I, I honestly believe if they appoint a, someone who's a carbon copy of him, I think it will, it will go down like a lead balloon. Yeah. And I, one yeah. thing I'd say is um, the PFA, uh, I've been quite critical of the PFA uh, on various, various shows with regards to mental health and whether they're doing enough, but they uh, actually, if you go on their, their staff, sort of list on the PFA of their executives and people that like it's full of uh, very, very talented, multicultural, multi-gender um, people who have done great jobs. Mm. Uh, and a, a lot of them have, have been involved in football in some way, shape or form. And I think I would like to see some of those people maybe transition over to the FA and try and change because let's face it, as good as the, for instance, the anti-racism, you know, the kick it out campaigns and all these things, you know, they, they, they're good. Obviously we want that, but have they really, really mm. changed attitudes mm. and can you change attitudes if the people at the very top of the FA or the Premier League or whoever it may be, FIFA, if they kind of, if they're not on board in terms of their, if their personal views don't line up with the campaigns that they're pushing around the world, Ultimately, I think it's set up to fail. Mm. Um, so I would like to see a reform of who's making those decisions, who's planning those, who's implementing those campaigns. But you know, that's just my opinion, obviously. Um, okay, so we'll we'll move, we'll move away from um, from Greg Clark for now. Um, so over the the course of the previous shows, we've talked about um, academies and and particularly where young players are kind of in the academies from young ages, you know, seven, eight, all the way up to 16. And then, you know, obviously we all know the statistics in terms of how many people make it to be a professional footballer. So a lot of those kids get dropped and, you know, their whole world falls apart when they don't get a professional contract. Um, now, Darren, you work, you know, within academies now. Um, how do you deal with, that side of things and um, sort of mental health and well-being, whether from a coach's point of view or, you know, just helping those young players. Yeah, I think I think from our point of view, obviously with the IDY National Academy that I work for, and um, basically, you know, we this year we we've kind of stepped up a little bit, so we've employed a mental health officer, and um, so you, the guys have got contacts, uh, you know, immediately if anything. Um, the guys have obviously got immediate contacts with ourselves as coaches. And obviously, you know, we've had we've had situations that we, you know, we've had to deal with at two, three, four o'clock in the morning, you know, as coaches, which, you know, is is part. Well, I, I mean, we see it as a company as part and parcel of obviously, you know, the well-being of the the guys and taking care of these guys because they're from all over the world. You know, their parents are back in in the states, you know, or wherever wherever they're from. So they're not just on hand to speak to the parents. Um, so you know, we we make it out, you know, our our right to to be there. And obviously, you know, take care of these guys and, and kind of, you know, treat them as our own children, really, as we as we would, you know, and, and look after them, make sure that, you know, they're fine. Um, from a, from obviously a football point of view, um, not all will go professional, which you know we explain this from from the outset. You know, you know, all will go professional, not all will go semi-professional. But you're doing a degree also, so you're doing the educational side of things as well. 
um, you know, so we've got a route for that. So what we do is we try and plan a route for, for each individual. Um, some guys are more academic than they are, obviously, for, from the sports side of things. Um, some guys are desperate to become a professional footballer, which I feel, you know, they, they need to be explained to as, you know, this is a very, very rare Mm. chance that you will become a professional footballer you know we've all been through it you know I've been through it you've got that very slim chance of making it uh, you know making a career out of it but there is also a semi-pro option um, and what we do is we look for avenues even if it's not in the UK you know we look for avenues back where you know back where they live you know in the states you know so we'll try and find avenues back to clubs pro clubs semi-pro clubs um, if they're doing a sports degree or sports management degree. So then we'll look for job opportunities in and around, obviously, their area where they live back home. Or if they wanted to stay in the UK, then obviously we'll look for opportunities over here for them. Um, but it's we try to go into depth and explain as much as we can and obviously be there for the guys because you know how disappointing it is when you get knocked back. You know, I, I was knocked back as a young player, you know, two two or three times, you know, and it, it, and it is, it hits you really hard and you think, you know, that's the end of the road. Um, it's not the end of the road. Um, but unless somebody actually explains that to you and actually takes the time to to you know to to sit down with you and say, look, at, this is not the end of the road. This is a little stumbling block. You know, well, you know, you can move on. You can, you know, we've, mm. we've seen it happen with players. Look at look at James Vardy. You know, a late bloomer came through. You know, and now obviously, you know, he's playing the height of the Premier League, top scorer. You know, playing for England. You know, these opportunities can happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to happen. You know, no. so what can we do? On the other side of things, in case that doesn't happen, so can we can we get you an educational side where we can then go and find you a job, and then you could still play semi pro level, you know? Mm. And, and there's loads of different opportunities and things, but I don't think a lot of a lot of people take the time to sit down with these guys and and explain it because I don't think a lot of these guys understand how it affects these these lads, you know, the yeah. day in day out of the 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 banter in the dressing room, you know, the, the you know they're having a laugh on the training grounds, you know that. And, and and these guys have maybe gone through all all the younger you know the the younger stages the eights the nines the tens you know they get the 16, 17, 18, and and they may get released and then all of a sudden it's like wow what do I do now, you know so I think from our point of view we try and put something in place in case that doesn't happen for these guys. That's um that's really refreshing to hear. Mm. I gotta be honest because, and like I've talked about my own experience with my kids um and how when I spoke to uh. A lady, uh, she's a sports psychiatrist, and like her her job is basically to help you know teenagers with when they get dropped or when they don't get off, you know, they don't get offered a professional yeah. contract and preparing for that possibility. Um, and the one thing which one of the things which stood out from what you said there for me was the education side of it, whereby planning for the occurrence that look, if you're not gonna if it doesn't happen for you, have this to fall back on. Um, and one thing I've encouraged my oldest son to do is sort of doing his GCSEs this year, I was supposed to do before they got cancelled, um, is yeah. having something to fall back on if football doesn't work yes. out. And like I've spoken to him honestly and said, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's going to work out for you. You know, he, he might be a late bloomer, it might work out. But yeah, yeah. Like there's semi professional football, you can make some good money doing that. You mm-hmm. can also just have it totally, do, yeah. do it for fun. You, he, you, yep. he, he's, he's interested in, in coaching children, so he, yep. he's gonna. He wants to do his coaching badges now as an in like yep. night school, and I've had to say, no, let's wait because you don't want to try and do your GCSEs yep. and do that. But, yeah, of you know, course, yeah, yeah. I think coaching, and I think it'd be refreshing to see some some mm. really young coaches coming through, this, through yeah, the systems. Totally, totally agree. I mean, and again, another side of our program is the fact that these guys have the opportunity to do their level one and level two coaching badges, you know, which some of our guys then go home in the summer and actually coach back in the States yeah. because they have a, le- a level one or a level two uh, coaching badge from the FA, you know, in the UK is, is massive in America, you mm. know, and, yeah, of and, course. and, and, and th- these again are all just opportunities for these guys to, you know, to go and earn some money, you know, we, we encourage them to do this. And then when they go home, they can take that slight burden off the parents of, having to pay for the university fees and stuff, you know, they can actually take contribute themselves, you know, by using yeah, some of their amazing. own money, you know, and, and it, it just gives them a life plan and, and, and a bit more of a, you know, I can do this, you know, yeah. Okay. Football doesn't work out. It, it's not the be all and end all. I've got some coaching badges or I've got a degree, you know, from, from the UK, which is highly, highly thought of in, back in the US, you know, so all these opportunities are there for the guys, but 
like I say, sometimes you know you you have to sit down. You know, if it's players in the UK, you know you've got to sit down with them and explain. You know, this isn't the end of the world. You will have speed bumps. Um, you know, sometimes you may have to drop down in football to non-league to come back in to play mm. professionally again. You know, and these are all the things that happen in life. But unfortunately, you don't get explained because some of these young lads are will have agents as well. You know, obviously mm. I have connections connections with Black Black Diamond Agency, and the mm. way the way I would look at you know as an individual as a player um you know i would look after this guy you know and i would make sure he, he understands the pitfalls you know the upsides and the downsides you know because some of these lads have lived a really good lifestyle between 16 and 18 on, on really good money and then all of a sudden it's taken away from them yes. you know but the need to you know if they're not educated in that side of things then you know do the agencies and you know do the state do the the agent then spend a lot of time with him explaining, you know, this isn't this isn't the end of the world, son. You know, we can find you something, we'll get you something. You know, can they do a little bit more as well? Oh, a hundred percent. I think um I wish that um agents, particularly when it involves young players, so like you mentioned Black Diamond, I think Black Diamond is is absolutely excellent. They're one of the the best I've come across. Um obviously I Andy and yourself and and uh, and Martin who I know from there but they they take it like very personally in terms of wanting to give the the players that they have the full package of looking after them and yeah. not just finding them a football club um if you remember Jacob David Cottrell said when he went to I forget which club it was it might have been Stoke I forget but basically he they his agent got him the move and then just basically just left him just said where well, they yeah. go the club left him so he was stuck yeah live it with his wife because he, he had married his childhood sweetheart he had kids and he was kind of just stuck in this new area new place didn't know anyone only like yeah. 18 19 and it's like that to me between the football yeah. club and his agent someone both of them should be like rallying around yeah. the him for totally. example david cottrell but any young player and making sure they're settled, particularly if you've got like a young family with them, it's like help them find yeah. a house, help them yeah, sort their exactly. bills out. Because yeah. if they've lived at home in an academy on good mm -hmm. money, they haven't yes. been paying bills. No. And I just, no. I don't know. It's, 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 and it's this, one of those this things. Is a thing. Yeah, this is a thing. And, we, you know, we've got to start educating these, these young talents coming through um, because obviously we've seen the unfortunate side, side of it, what happens. You know when mm. when they do get rejected, and you know we don't want to see that. You know nobody wants to see. You don't want to see that in any walk of life. You know whether it's you know you're working as a postman or you know a footballer or whatever you're doing. No. We don't. You don't want to see any of that. And and this is what I'm saying. You know agents have you've got to go that little bit further. You know you've got you've got to extend yourself. And I think what happens is I think agencies take on too many players and mm. they just can't can't cope with it. You know yes. and, and once once you've got to move, they think right okay that's that's them for two or three years. We'll get back yeah. in about. You know, we'll get back in about two years when they, you know, they, they might be changing club again or might need a new contract. You know, and, and you can't do that. You've got to be there constantly for for these guys. And and if you want to represent them, then you know, and, and this is this this was my words. And and you know, Martin and Andy will tell you this. If we're representing players, we represent players. Yeah. You know, we don't just represent them for for one minute and then forget them about the next. And 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 Martin and, and Andy were exactly the same opinion. You know, and 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 that's that's great. And for me, I can work with guys like that. What I can't mm. work with is, is guys who, who get somebody contract and then don't speak to them for three years. You know, it just yeah. it doesn't work. And my experience working with, so before, well, before March, I'd never worked with any football agent in my life. And then since March, I had to work with them a lot with some of the stuff we've been doing in my NHS yeah. work. And I think people think that the idea of agent, they're like, oh yeah, they're really involved. They're not. Uh, I think no. in the hundred like agents we've uh emailed i'd say three were probably decent uh yeah and and there was what you know i've got no shame in saying sean wright phillips's agent was one of the nicest guys a guy called jason yeah. one of the nicest guys i've literally ever worked with um couldn't have done anything more for us um and i said to sean i was like don't lose this guy whatever you do yeah. keep this guy <laughs> Uh, because, yeah. and, and, and it's a sad set of affair when literally you're yeah there's only three out of and there's you know there's a few more that we've worked with that have been all right but some will just we've, we've had loads that go now that this player is not interested and i said oh, i'm yeah. pretty sure this person would be interested to do this if, yeah and it's because they're not i suppose the way i'm uh, 
speaking to them, they know they're not going to get paid because it's an NHS um, yeah. player appearance. So the yeah. agent's not getting no money. So it's no no benefit for them. So they just won't pass no. it on. No. But I love yeah, what you course, were saying yeah. about your your academy. Like like um, so I said, it's so refreshing because I think we spoke about this in the last pod. The traditional academies in football is it it it's not conveyor viable, belt, isn't it? It's not a viable business. It's, no, it's a no. conveyor belt of using people's act, you know, using people to try and get. If, it's like a lottery. I'm going to put yeah. a bit of effort into 20 lads. Fingers crossed, mm-hmm. one of them makes it, and that, that pays for yeah. those 20 lads. Yeah, but of course, I think, yeah. You know, when you're saying it's not just about making it in football, it's about you know, yeah. can they make it a career out of it? If it's football, yes. or if it's agency, or if it's mm. behind the scenes, and I think that way of business uh, will be doing. I think long term yeah. i think that's how it will change uh, i hope that academies get that and i think we spoke about it um i think with andy i can't remember which the club that got in the playoff finals of in the championship last season that didn't win uh they changed uh, uh, no fulham and someone on that yeah it was not fulham the other one um can't remember now but their yeah. academy system they've completely changed it and they basically mm. got the first team and a second team. We don't have all these youth teams and all that. And then no. there's a real onus on we're not just having a conveyor belt. And uh, they found it, you know, they're in the playoff final. So it, it, see, yeah, it does exactly. work. Um, of course it does, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, it's, um, I think the academy system needs a bit of a revamp. But And i I got to say, um, like obviously we talked about the tragic death of um, Jeremy Whitson recently. Uh, we've talked about it on the Andy Campbell show with uh, Talk Sports Lawrence Mora, and we talked about it with um, Luke Chadwick on the last show. Um, look, that's a tragic situation, and um, we obviously we don't know the ins and outs of his life, and 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 how responsible, like how responsible was him getting dropped by Man City in terms of his mental health and how he was feeling and doing what he did. Look, mm. uh, we don't know that. No. Um, but what I can say is football clubs on the whole, I don't think do enough to support players when they are dropped or their career ends through injury. Mm. Even older yeah. players, they so often yes. just get, you know, knee injury, finished career, right, trap. There's yeah. no support system. And this is no. one of the things I have been critical of the PFA with is, are they doing enough to support yes. those players who get, you know, one day they're training, They've got a great career. Yeah. They're loving life. Next minute, their career's over because they're 28 and they've got a serious knee injury. Yeah. And the clubs drop them. And the, do you know what I mean? I don't think. Yeah. No, you know, totally. They're, yeah. They're not assets. They're human beings, whatever age no, they are. And yeah, exactly. I just exactly. wish football clubs would do more. Yeah. I think I'm just touching on that. Obviously, last point from, from myself on that. Just basically, when I was manager of Whitby, you know, I know it's non league, um, but some guys, when I, when I took over, I, you know, I just they went they went up to to speed of what I required, obviously in the squad. You know, we we were in a in a tough situation. We we're in a very sticky situation. We had a lot of young lads who, uh, you know, potentially in 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 my squad probably wouldn't play a lot of football. And um, so, you know, myself and obviously my assistant at the time, we you know we we actually found another team for them to go and play for. Although they'd be due registered registration with ourselves, we found them another team to go and play for, and we said, look at. Unfortunately, you you ain't gonna play at this moment in time for our from for me, um. But I found you this club to go and play for. Um, there's an opportunity there for you to go and play, and we will keep an eye on you. We will monitor you, and obviously, you know, if by getting more games, obviously your game improves. You know, you improve as a, as a player. Then basically, you know, we've got that dual contract between us where you know you can you can come back to Whitby, you know, and obviously you know obviously get back in the squad. But I think. You know, can clubs then you know find a, a, a pathway for them? You know, there's a lot of clubs obviously in and around the country. You know, whether it's not whether it's Premier League or, or Championship or whatever or non-league. You know, surely a guy who's at Man City, you know, that's not the be-all and end-all. You know, he's got surely opportunities where he can go and play for other teams. You know, can can teams speak a bit more? Can teams pass on players that you know they are going to release? Um, you know, the, it can be a bit more communication between the teams. I think you know. And say, look, we've got this lad. Unfortunately, he's not meeting our standards at this moment in time. However, you know, we feel like he could be, you know, benefit beneficial to you. You know, Funny and, and, and Sorry, this, this helps players. Then you know, it helps players move on and 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 accept that you know it it isn't the end of the world. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And actually, funny enough, 
very, very quickly, just to use my children as another example, is my youngest boy has been with a certain academy. He's been in the development side uh, for the last two, three years. He's been, his age group is just happens to be very, very good with the, within yeah. this club. Um, so he's played for the full academy a couple of times. He did really well at a tournament, but he's never quite in the, the kind of first team squad, if you like. So he's always in the yeah. level below. But the coach really rates him. So what the 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 head of the academy setup set has done in lockdown is he's come to me and he said, "Look, I think Aiden should be." Oh, I said his name. I'm gonna have to bleep that out. <laughs> uh, he said, "I think that your son is good enough to play academy football. It's just unfortunate that he's probably not going to get in the side because we've got so many good players in his position." What I would yeah. like to do, if with your permission, is I've contacted another academy in the Welsh League. Yeah. We think that he would fit in there well, et cetera, et cetera. Brilliant. So I know it's only kids' football, yeah. but he's yeah. gone out of his way to make sure my son has got the best opportunities. Yeah. You know, he understands yeah. that just because he can't get into this academy, that doesn't mean that's it. Game over. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think mm. if academies yeah, can fantastic. do that, why couldn't... Let's use Man City as an example. Why couldn't Man City yeah. say, look, we don't think you're good enough to play for us? And not just with... You know that young lad, Jeremy. Let's. I don't like to use him as an example because we don't know the full situation. But any player, yeah. you know, Man United, whoever, if they drop, if they've got an academy player who's been there for six years, and he gets to eighteen, and they say, right, we're not going to offer you a pro contract. Why can they not go to Salford City and say, look, yes. we've got this boy. He's been with us for six years, so he's obviously got something about him. Mm. Yeah. Would you like to have a look at him? Take him on trial whatever it may be, or a championship club, or I just, it's not difficult. Do you know what I mean? No. In this day and age, it's not difficult to communicate. Um, and I think that is a fantastic way that football clubs could help the human beings that, that make yeah, them totally. too much money. Um, yeah, totally. Right. I want to move uh, away from this to finish us off, uh, Darren, slightly. Yeah. Um, obviously, you came out and did some interviews uh, and spoke about mental health and about the need for people to to be open and talk about it some more. Um, and I guess I'd like I'd like to hear you know your experience with mental health, your story with it all, and and yeah. ultimately after that, what led to you want you know doing those interviews and and speaking out about it. But um, just very quickly for for anyone who doesn't know, kind of give us just a quick uh, overview of your sort of career and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, initially, obviously, as a youngster, when I was first starting out, I was I was connected with the, the Middlesbrough um, Academy at the time. Um, unfortunately, at the time, there, there was kind of a quite a lot of players, basically within the squads, you know. And I, I felt, you know, my personal needs, I wanted to play. I wanted to obviously get the best out of my career as possible. So, I, you know, I felt I probably would get overlooked at Middlesbrough, um, even though I was offered offered a contract there. Um, so I left and went to York. I initially signed, obviously, for York. Um, started my career there under under Ricky Sprazier, who was my youth team manager. Um, who coach. then, yeah, he's a great coach. Who then went on to to Sunderland. He then recommended me to Peter Reid. Um, you know, cut long story short, Peter Reid was in touch. Um, ended up going to Sunderland. You know, spending you know nine near on nine years there. You know, fantastic times. Obviously, ups and downs because it's Sunderland. You know, that's standard. <laughs> um, <laughs> But basically, you know, I loved it. You know, obviously, I managed to break into the England and the 21s and England B team. Um, I then obviously went, moved on to Cardiff. Uh, Sunderland were having, obviously, issues financially. Uh, so I went to Cardiff. And, you know, I loved my time at Cardiff. Again, um, Dave Jones came in and unfortunately wanted to kind of cut my cut my salary in half. Um, but I was kind of wow. in transition because I wasn't... Although I was renting in, in Cardiff, I still have a family back in, in you know, down in Middlesbrough. So, it, you know, it didn't really marry up. So I ended up moving on and I went to Hartlepool, Bradford, Dundee. And then I came down the, the non-league route uh, with Gateshead and Gainsborough. Uh, Gainsborough um, was under Brian Little as a manager, you know, fantastic guy. Um, if anything, probably too nice to be a manager. Um, <laughs> you know, he was, he was too soft at times. And, you know, at times, like, you know, you just wanted to grab him and say, Brian, you've got to be a bit stronger and a bit harder with us. You know what I mean? It's like... But he was, he was a great bloke and a great guy. Um, and then I got the opportunity to at Whitby Town. Um, went and played there. Um, basically, obviously, ended up getting the managerial job for four years and, and loved it. But then, you know, you come out, out the end of football, um, you know, professionally, and it's it's quite... It, it's, it's 
it's quite a sudden hit on you. You know, it's kind of like you, you, you've been this 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 guy who's been looked at, and you know, and and people you know want your autograph, and people you know want to speak. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen now, but you, you're in the limelight, and you know you, you have the day to day banter in the dressing rooms, you know, and yeah. You have the away trips with the guys, you know, for 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 games. Um, but like prior to all that, when I was at Sunderland, I, you know, I, I lost my dad. Um, so we were due to play Man City on the Tuesday Tuesday evening, and on the Monday, we were in the hotel in Manchester, and I didn't feel particularly great. I just, you know, I don't know what was wrong. I didn't. It wasn't that I was felt ill. I just something wasn't right, and and unfortunately that evening, like my my dad passed away, and you know, I had to leave the the um, the hotel and go back home and. And obviously, you know, and it, I, I struggled to kind of get back into the game. Um, it took me, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. And I had Peter Reid and Bobby Saxon on the phone, you know, asking me, you know, can you come into training? Can you come and play? And I just, I said, you know what? I'm not in the right place. I said, I, I really am mm. not. And I don't want to be a, an effect on the lads by coming in and not be myself, you know, and, and just be yeah. like, you know, down. And, and to be fair, obviously, I hit the drink quite hard. Um, and for somebody, because initially I didn't drink, so it was like for somebody who then hit the drink really hard was, you know, was 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 a massive effect. Um, but and I don't like again, like you said earlier on, say I don't think I dealt with it, you know, and I didn't deal with it for for many many years. Um, it was kind of I shouldered a lot of the responsibility, um, and I took on a lot of the the things that needed doing, um, you know, around the funeral etc. And obviously you know with the family etc. So I I kind of took that role that lead role. As obviously that my dad would have probably taken obviously as as the man, um, and then as like, say as you come out your end of your career, it's you know you're losing all that that limelight, that day to day banter, the you know all that's going, and then you know basically you go through the you know the divorce side of things, you know which then hits you massively, you know then your kids and you know you, you you're having your kids on on you know on the weekends or stuff and it. it you know, and I, again, you know, I went through a really, really bad patch for months and months and months, and I, and I felt that at times where I probably wouldn't, couldn't see coming out the other end of it, um, you know, which, which was quite, you know, it's quite scary, really, you know, and you, sometimes you sit there on a night and you, you're on your own, and it's, you know, it's quite daunting because mm. you don't, you don't understand how powerful the mind is until obviously things like that hit you, um, and then, obviously. I had a little bit of help from the PFA, which which was great, um, but then that help just kind of disappeared, you know. And then you're back into the same situation again, and and it, you know, obviously life moves on. Obviously, I, you know, I'm I'm happily married now, you know, probably happier never in a married situation. But there's always that thing in the, in your mind to think that you know, have you dealt with everything? Has everything properly? Have you so kind of have you cleaned everything up? You know, in your mm, head type yeah. of thing. Um, but I think you know there's there's still there's still dark days that you have, and obviously especially with the you know the current situation as well, um, you know with the pandemic and that you know it's 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 really hard and really difficult. Um, and I, I you know I just felt at the time I think you know it helped me to 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 speak and to talk to people, and I just feel that you know it's a shame that you know some people don't kind of get to that situation yes. where they you know they feel they can speak to people because, like we said earlier in the program, you know. You feel like I'm a man. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't need to speak mm. to anybody. I should be dealing with this myself. But you're not. You're just a human being. You know. You. We're all the same. You know. The, we get. We have our strengths and our weaknesses. And but unfortunately, the mind can be such a powerful thing at times. Oh yes, it's um, both positively and negatively. Is I think the the human mind is so com- complex. Um, you know, there's a few a few things there which you've mentioned which I can relate to a lot. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on is obviously similar to me. It sounds like when you were struggling with various things, feeling not yourself, feeling down, um, the, the pressure builds up because you're not dealing with it and you're bottling stuff up. Then you start drinking. Yeah. Um, to try and almost sell what well, you're self-medicating basically. And it makes it worse because yeah, every time totally. you stop drinking, you feel, Ten times yeah. worse that you're hungover, you, yeah. you feel depressed, and and you, everything which you were stressed about when you started drinking is still there. Um, yeah. Like, were you drinking every day, or was it more of like a in between matches? Or no, it, 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 it was more like um, it, it could be like weekends, you know, where it was like mm. you know, if if it, obviously if I didn't have a match or anything, it could be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, and it, it's just like. You know, when you think back, it's just like it's mind-boggling. You think, how mm-hmm. how did I actually cope, and how did I actually, 
you know, achieve and manage that. You know, it's like, but it, it's kind of like from the Friday to the Sunday would be just a, a blur, you know, a blur, like, yeah, it'd be gone like and, a binge. You know, yeah, and then obviously, you know, especially if you know, if you're kind of not in work as well, you know, if you've got no work to, to go to, it's kind of like, well, you know, what do you do? Do you know what I mean? It's just like you sat about, and whereas obviously you then revert back, revert back to years ago. Obviously, when you were playing, you were in the dressing room, but I'd be having a bit of banter now. Do you know what I mean? I'd have a good laugh on the training ground, or this, that, and the other. Mm. And it just all kind of comes comes careering down on you. And and and, and this is what I'm saying. You know, with the young lads, I think because I was a little bit older and a bit more experienced, and I, and I kind of had a, a career. You know, I, it, yeah, it hit me hard, but I kind of. I've got through it and I've dealt with it, but you see these young lads, and, and unfortunately, some you know, majority of them haven't got through it, you know, and, and the worst scenario happens, and you know that's what you don't want, and you know if we can kind of nip that in the bud, or if we can, if we can find something that, you know, they, they then have an opportunity after that, you know, there's something yeah. after that, you know, it, it's got to be more, there's got to be some, some, something out there that we can create, you know, something that that we can generate that these guys don't think that's it and that's the end. Because it, you know, it's it's heartbreaking to see. Yeah, I mean, Jacob. One of the sorry, Jacob. I'm just going to say one of the reasons we wanted to do this show and this series was because we wanted to show all people, but you know, young people, uh, young as well, is that see these people, different footballers with different stories, different issues they've battled. Also, given our own personal experiences, to show that. No matter how alone and down you may feel at, at your worst, there is a there is a way out, and there is a way to, you know, get through it and be happy again. But yeah, it doesn't feel totally. like that in your darkest days. Um, no, sorry, I interrupted you no. then, Jacob. That's right. No, that's brilliant. Um, that's really impressive. Your account talking about things. How like following sort of uh, the death of your dad and then the drinking and sort of. Sounds like you went into sort of depression. How did that affect, you know, your family at the time, like the wife and the kids and stuff like that? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously, affected affected us all, you know, in in a sense. Um, but I suppose, anyway, you kind of take your way, yourself away from from mm. from those, obviously, who were close to you type of thing, because you you kind of you like I say, you try and shoulder it all and take it all in yourself. You know, without having obviously like you know spread it around and and then and, and infect anybody else in, in a sense in a way, and, and which is why obviously I did struggle to go back into football for a bit because I just didn't want to kind of be that one who was infecting everybody else, you mm. know, with how you know how I was or you mm. know the mindset I was in type of thing. Um, and then, but then, like you say, you don't you don't really deal with it. Then you just you, mm. you just kind of close in and and it's in there somewhere and it eventually kind of find its way out. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. a difficult one. Um, but I think, you know, at, I think at times, even now, you know, I, I look back and I think, you know, I, did I actually deal with that right? I, you know, I've, I've yeah. actually fully dealt with it. And, you know, and I, I suppose not in a sense, really. Did, and I know, did, oh, sorry, sorry. I know, I know you said, obviously you went to the PFA, got some work, and then it sounds like you then got some more support. What was it that was sort of the, what led to you going, right, that's it. I need to make a change, and then find, I think find we, that sort of recovery. Yeah, I think it was just um, kind of situations that you kind of get yourself in, and and um, obviously how and so, some of the things that run through your head. You know, which it, which it, when you sit back, really realistically now and think about it, you know, it's quite scary. You know, mm. in, the, in the situations, you, you know, you you're looking at scenarios of you know maybe he's driving somewhere and. And doing something, or you look, you know, you're looking at opportunities when you're in the car, type of thing, you know, on it. And you know, they're not places that obviously people people want to be in, but unfortunately, you know, that's that's how the mind works. Yeah, and I think um, when you mix in alcohol to those thoughts, um, it becomes even more dangerous because the alcohol almost gives you, for lack of a better term, it gives you more courage to kind of think about those dark thoughts. Um, just from my own personal experience so like whereas if I was sober I might have those thoughts but I would think about reasons not to do something stupid yeah. whereas if I was yeah. 10 pints in and drinking whiskey yeah. or martini was my favorite drink I'd just drink it from the yeah. bottle it can be you 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 almost become more likely to do something stupid yes. um, 
something which is you know you yeah. can't come back from. I think. Um, did people close to you notice a difference in you? Like whether it's you know friends, family, teammates, did they see like a difference in you? Day yeah, day? I, I think. Yeah, I think they did on on a day to day basis. Yeah, and obviously. You know, it's again, it's one of those where, you know, they say, are you all right? Are you okay? And you kind of be like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like you're more of a put front on in front of people. Yeah. Mm. You know, so you'd laugh and you'd joke and then realistically you're walking away thinking, yeah, I'm not even in that, you know, in the right place to be, you know, to be laughing and joking and this, that and the other. And, but it's, again, it's, you know, it's putting that front on. And this is what I'm saying. It, you know, you know all, all the aspects we spoke about, you know, tonight on, on the podcast is, People shouldn't feel like that. People should be able to just go. This is how yes. I'm feeling. You know, this is mm. this is this is me. This is what I am. You know, this is how I am. Type of thing. It's got to get. We've got to get to a situation like that. You know, in all in all walks of life. You know, what whatever we need to get out. Need, you know, should be able to come out. You know, without us wondering what what is going to be the effects of it. Yeah, definitely. And I would say because there'll probably you know I know there'll be people listening that might be at that stage you were sort of back then where they're drinking maybe struggling with depression what advice would you give to sort of someone listening struggling what was it that changed like for me with my depression it was antidepressants doing exercise the things that I I weren't I suppose the exercise is something that it stopped and then I needed it to get back so what was the thing that worked for you I think for me, um, basically, you know, it was obviously, um, you know, don't, don't, you know, got to, you've got to accept yourself that you can't handle everything. You know, you can't shoulder every responsibility. You know, you have to speak out. You know, you have to speak out. You, you just can't. You've got to cut down your pride. You've got to, you've got to strip back, and you've just got to say, look, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm thinking. This is, you know, and speak to people. You know, whether it's friends, family. You know, you know, some somebody like yourself, Jacob. You know, in, in in the mental health industry, you know, you've got to speak to people, um, and then basically, yeah, you know, exercise, great. You know, exercise, just it's a, it's kind of a, a release. You know, it, it just gives you that. You know, don't get wrong. At the time, you think, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. You know, ten, ten, ten mile run, but you feel a million dollars after it. You know, and I think you know yeah. those are the key points. You know, and it, and I think, but I think first and foremost, you need to strip down and think you are able to speak to people, you know, and not feel like mm. you, you're not able to speak to people because you have a pride or you, you know, or you feel like you should shoulder everything because you can't. Was there any friends or family like after you did then come out to say, you know, I had struggles, you know, I suppose more recently when you did the article and stuff like that, was there people around you that you weren't aware of that come to you and said, Oh, look, I didn't know you had struggled. I've struggled with my own difficulties as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because because basically that you know they kind of said, "Oh, you seemed all right. You know, you seemed okay. You, you know, you were laughing and joking." I went, "Yeah, but that's the kind of front you put on, you know." But and then obviously, yeah, somebody else said, "You know what? You know, so many years ago, you know, I was I was in this situation, or this happened, and that, you know." And the more and more you speak, the more and more you generally see that a lot of people mm. are going through this these similar situations. You know, it might not be the same situation, but it's a very similar situation. Mm. And it's really like I think when people are in that struggle. When you get someone and you have that shared experience, it's so empowering. I think, um, you know, I say this to somebody, I'd never met an adult with ADHD until I was like, yeah. something like 26 or something like that. And then when I met the first one, I was like, fuck it out, I'm not on my own. And then when I was chatting then with the depression, meeting other people, and I, I interviewed someone recently, they said, actually coming out and saying, oh, I've had a mental health difficulty and being very open. They said, now nothing, I'm not afraid to talk about anything now. And it, yeah. it feels like I'm not creeping around being this person. Yeah. I'm not. I can just be 100% myself. And it's so refreshing and and sort of enriching, really. Yeah. Um, Darren, you just you mentioned a couple of times there about um, like how much <clears throat> talking about it helps. And I think like I bottled stuff up for like 20 years. And when I finally yeah. uh, talked, I talked to my wife first, then I saw a doctor and I wrote a letter to my father which actually i would have never even contemplated doing yeah but they, the, the <coughs> psychiatrist or whatever said look just trust me do it yeah and, I, and she said i promise you once you start writing it and you get into like a bit of a flow you will write pages and pages and yeah. i went back the next week and i think i'd written like eight pages of just rambling <laughs> but just stuff that i had kept to myself um and then i did a podcast with um Phil Brown, who does the Beyond the Pitch football podcast, we talked about yeah. um, our battles with addiction and and grief and and things like this. Um, 
And I did that hour and 15 minutes, and me and him just talked about all of our emotions, everything we'd been through, everything that's happened, um, our grief, our drinking, um, addictions and things like that, and how it had affected our loved ones and people around us. And I came off that. I was so emotionally exhausted. It was unreal. It was like I had done a 10-mile run. But (laughs) the next day, I felt like I hadn't felt in years because yeah. it just felt like a massive weight had been left lifted off my shoulders. And what I've learned over the last four or five years, largely thanks to my wife, but also partly through podcasting as well, um, <laughs> is like I say, podcasting saved my life. Um, and it's kind of like a play on words, but it's not far off either because yeah, as I mentioned at the very start of the show, if I keep stuff to myself and try and work it out in my head, things go very wrong very quickly. Yeah. I make bad decisions and I end up in an even worse mess from a mental mm-hmm. health point of view. I have to talk about stuff. And I yeah. I believe that that is the best way to start any battle yeah. with mental health, addiction, totally. PTSD, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. I promised you we wouldn't go over an hour. And this yes. is the <laughs> first, first show yeah. we've gone over an hour, which... Um, yeah. But it's just been like it's been a fascinating uh, conversation, and and look, Darren, I appreciate not only your time, but I appreciate so no much problem. you speaking so honestly yeah, about uh, you what stuff you've been through because I know Darren, it's not always uh, easy. Gone, uh, one quick one. Yeah. Um, so, if someone's interested in the academy, how do they get hold? Like, how do they find the information about the academy? If they look on, um, obviously, we're on Twitter, on Facebook. It's at Eye to Eye International Academy. And then all the details will be on there. You'll be on the, we have uh, recruiters on there, so the guys will be able to. If they message in, one of the one of the recruiter guys will get back to you. I'll um, I'll put a link Brilliant. in the description to that as well. With all, uh, and I, of course, I'll also put um, links to Minds, to David Cottrell's foundation, yeah, various mental health um, charities, Brilliant. and also to the audio links for all the shows, and of course the YouTube channel. Subscribe, click that bell, so that you get notified every time we go live. Um, yeah, excellent. Thank you to everyone who's uh, who's downloaded, who's watched. Of course, thank you to my co-host Jacob. Cheers, mate, again. Cheers, loved it. Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, Darren, thank you to you as well. No and um, we'll be Fantastic. back next thank Sunday. You. Next Sunday, eight PM for another mental health in sports show. In the meantime, we have uh, the Andy Campbell Football Show every Monday with a new guest from the football world. Uh, Wednesday we have an MMA show Friday we have the Andy Campbell Championship show where we talk all things uh, the EFL Championship uh, we also release podcasts on a Saturday sometimes as well busy 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 but we'll, whatever your interest we've probably got a podcast which you'll enjoy but uh, until next Sunday we will stay. bid you adieu thank you for watching and uh, thank you to our guests cheers guys Network.